Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, and we have a couple guests for you on today's episode. And right now, actually not a stranger to Arts on Fire, though a uh, former guest on Arts on Fire Live, we have Sally Schaefer with us. Buffalo-based multi-instrumentalist, and uh, she's performed all over the region with the likes of Stress Dolls, 10,000 Maniacs, Bill Ward, who she was on Arts on Fire Live with, and many more, and uh, thought it'd be fun to talk a little more. We talked for like a second, but it was mostly performance on Arts on Fire Live, so we'll talk more with Sally now. Sally, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you. I mean, again, you play all over the area, you know, no stranger to uh, Chautauqua and surrounding areas. So, I mean, let's talk, I mean, we're just going to talk about your music and everything you do. So, I mean, let's start from the beginning. Like, where does music start for you? Where does kind of all this begin? Because I know you're quite busy with music and you do quite a bit. So, like, take us, take us back for a second. Sure. Um, I come from a relatively musical family. My dad has played in a bluegrass band based in the Western New York area since 1978. The band is called Creek Bend. So, I grew up going to bluegrass festivals as a kid, you know, before I even played anything. And uh, my parents are both active in their church. So my mom was usually involved with some kind of music. And uh, I started piano when I was five and then violin when I was nine. And then, you know, I took vocal lessons in junior high and high school and I was started teaching myself guitar. So it just kind of went from there. I feel like with music now, now including that, if you have kind of a uh, musical family by the sounds of it, did you kind of, did you connect with it right away? Was like that a, was music a big thing for you right away? Or I mean, was that almost a, you kind of got to do it. And then maybe somewhere in there, you kind of found that like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, now you love it at some point, but that doesn't mean you loved it on day one. I, from what I remember, I always liked it. My dad would sing like sea shanties to us when he would like when we were taking baths when we were really little there's always like some sort of thematic music going on car rides and all that I was always interested in that and I was the one that wanted to take piano lessons my older sister she's five years older than me she was already taking piano lessons so I think my parents were like interested in starting me but I was like so excited I remember having a Winnie the Pooh calendar and Kanga and Rue were the February month and I remember like that's when I started piano lessons because I just had it marked down like I can't wait to start. And I was always really excited about it. I loved piano. I still love piano. And um, then when I got to choose an instrument in fourth grade, I was really excited about going through that process also. And then where do you kind of start performing? I mean, I know performing is a huge, again, like you perform with so many people, like where does like actually playing in front of people and all of that kind of start for you? Um, I mean, it was the whole time because even when 
I was five when I started piano, there were always like end of year recitals where you were, you know, it was a requirement basically so that uh, the teacher could have like all of her students perform at an end of year recital. So I was always doing that. And I was doing competitions in front of just like one adjudicator in a room um, at solo festivals for piano and violin and eventually voice. But uh, my dad also bribed me to play with <laughs> the band <laughs> occasionally. He'd be like, come to this gig with us and you can work the merchandise table and then also play, you know, learn a couple of fiddle tunes and sit in with the band and I'll give you like $10. So <laughs> I would do that. Uh, obviously, I didn't start playing professionally until later, but um, I would perform once in a while for solo festivals and, uh, you know, concerts at school, recitals, and uh, filling in with my dad's band sometimes. You kind of have a preference on the, like, performing versus, like, recording and writing and stuff side. I mean, I know they're different. Maybe you like both, but, I mean, do you prefer one over the other? Uh, Yeah, it's hard because I'm such a perfectionist, and I, I think I've let a lot of that go over time because you kind of have to uh, as a performer. But I like I like live performance because I don't feel as – I don't know. It, it's like – I don't, I don't mind as much if there's mistakes or there's things going on, which are like, you know, it's a part of live performance is that there's improvisation happening. There's things that will happen in a live performance that you might not necessarily want in a recording. So I kind of like the freedom of live performance. I probably am, um, I take more risks when I'm performing live than what I would do if I were recording. But I do like recording. I especially like recording for other people's projects because they kind of have the final say about what they like and it's not up to me as much you know a lot of people want my input like do you think this sounds good but it's really like the final product is what they like and what they think serves their music best and i like writing violin string parts for people whose music i haven't encountered before or you know things that i didn't write so i like that but i also do like having been in uh, there's only really one band that I've been in since the inception of the band, and that was Over and Out, which was sort of a punk indie folk project. And I liked being involved with those songs since like the start because I was writing violin parts over a period of time during rehearsals with that band, and eventually they got to a point where I'm like, this is exactly what I want. So when I go in the studio, like I already know exactly what it's going to sound like having performed with them and rehearsed and performed with them over a series of dates and like sort of honing the violin parts that way. Nice. Nice. With, you know, kind of with that too, cause I was just thinking about it. Like you kind of probably jump in a lot of like situations. It seems like where, yeah, you don't have a lot. Cause like, even, even when you came with arts on fire live, if I'm remembering correctly, like the band that was assembled for that, I don't know if all of you had played together before you played a handful of times. Like, does that happen a lot with you being live or recording? I mean, is there just like, hey, we need like violin. I know somebody like be it live or on a song. I mean, are you just kind of thrown in without much of like, you know, that happened a lot for you? I mean, is that is that something that occurs a lot? You just kind of get thrown into things a lot like that? Yeah, that happens a lot. And uh, in, in fact, like when I subbing with my dad's band, which is like probably the first band performances I was involved in. 
it was just like, oh, you'll be fine. Like, you know, here's the, it, we, we barely practiced. Like they knew the set very well because they played together for years. But I'm like, I don't know any of this. It's kind of nerve wracking when you are used to playing in sort of a classical setting because that's what I grew up doing where you're like, all of this music is on a sheet and I'm reading it and I have practiced it many times. I know exactly what it's supposed to sound like. And then, you know, showing up to a gig. But over time, I've just gotten used to being like, you know, it's it's live performance. And that's like part of the deal is that you don't know what's going to happen all the time. You have a lot less control. And it's it can be fun. It's a challenge for sure. And I enjoy it often. Um, in fact, I just played a what I would call a sit-in gig with a Buffalo, Western New York-based band called um, Tencent Howell at Sportsman's the other day. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, sometimes people send me sort of a set list beforehand, and sometimes they don't. And I just show up and play. <laughs> Either way. Just hopefully yep. you get one, but you may not always. Yes. <laughs> On top of that, too, because, I mean, I feel like you play more, I mean, more than one genre. You're not just playing, like, one thing. I mean, is that difficult at all, jumping it? Like, are you, do you ever get thrown into a genre where, even with that, where maybe you've really not played it before and you got to kind of find, like, your footing in there? Like, not only do you not maybe not know the material, but I don't know if, say, all you did was play blues, maybe you go in and it's like, all right, I know 12-bar blues. I can throw, you know, I jump in. But you're jumping different genres, different styles and stuff. Does that ever get difficult? Yeah, it definitely does. Just because I have a lot less confidence playing in a genre that I don't know very well or I'm not as comfortable in. Because um, like when I first started playing a lot more bluegrass with my dad and I started playing full time with Creek Bend and Buffalo Bluegrass All-Stars, there was a little bit of that like, oh, you know, I don't want to overstep. I don't want to be playing when I'm not supposed to be playing. I don't want to step on anybody else's solos or, you know, that kind of thing. Then as I got more comfortable, it's like, you know, the language of that particular genre and the the idiom better and you know you you just know what the format is and like where pieces go and where you can you know where your solos go and without stepping on other people um if, and then for instance i played a jazz show uh back in august at pausa art house somebody that i know who also plays at sportsman's regularly because they have jazz lunches there he wanted to put together he wanted me to essentially star in a jazz trio. And, you know, I'm kind of asking them like, well, you know, what is normally the, I know, I know jazz standards, but I don't necessarily know the exact format that people use. Like, how is the intro? How many times do you play through the head? Or like, how many times do you take a solo? And, you know, some people are just like, well, it's whatever you want, but they do different things that kind of crosses over into other genres where they'll trade you know, you could play like an entire solo over an entire chord progression of the full melody of the song, or you might do something where you trade four bars back and forth. And that's like part of that genre, which kind of happens in bluegrass, but there's also different names for different uh, things that happen. So it, it, it definitely is more comfortable if it's something that I have played before and more familiar with the genre. But over time, you know, you just get more used to it and have a little bit more confidence playing in those genres. For when you like go and again, because you're jumping around like that, do you feel more like like if you go into something, do you feel like you always have somewhat of like a foundation or style that you'd say you go into or do you have to change it up depending on the genre? You know what I mean? Like, do you have to change it up for each thing you're doing or do you try to keep a consistency somewhere throughout all where it's like this is still 
I don't know, the Sally Schaefer, you know, there's still that like Sally Schaefer part to it that you can hear no matter what genre. Yeah, I definitely think I have a particular sound or style that's hard to completely eschew. It's like, that's just kind of what I sound like. And it's probably a mix of having classical background, but then getting more into Americana, some bluegrassy and old time American influence, and then also Celtic. You know, there's a lot of, I'll be playing bluegrass, but I put, I still put in articulation that sounds a little bit more like it's Celtic. And it's just kind of a mix. I don't know if I'm very like particularly skilled in one specific genre, but I've just kind of like taken things from various genres. But I do try to um, imitate like a specific type of fiddle style when I'm playing in that genre, but it still probably has a lot of me in it, which is sort of a mix of everything. I guess in some ways you can't get, which I mean is a good thing that makes you who you are as a musician. But yeah, in some ways I'm sure you can't 100% ever wipe away like your musical DNA or whatever right. you want to call it, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. for like you personally, I mean, what would you say like genres or like even artists and stuff, music, musical influences for you? Cause like you personally, again, playing with playing with so many different, but if we're talking to you specifically, like, would you say your influences are personally on your music? I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock because that's what my mom listened to. And, you know, anytime she has a huge record collection of things from that era of music, 60s through 80s classic rock, and also just things on the radio, like being in the car with her. I Before they had the uh, ticker with all the metadata, I would constantly be like, what is this song? So I could write it down and look it up later. Um, so I maybe am almost influenced by classic rock guitar, lead guitar playing. and. So a lot of pentatonic blues scale, which you can use over a lot of things, um, a lot of different genres. And then um, probably old time Americana and Celtic music, definitely. I started, I originally learned by reading. You know, I learned how to read music when I was playing piano and then was just reading sheet music for violin when I was learning violin. But I started trying to learn by ear when I was maybe in junior high and I had a flogging Molly, a couple of flogging Molly albums, CDs that I would listen to and try to pick up fiddle tunes from that. So there's definitely, you know, some like rock, classic rock music fused with Celtic and Celtic rock, Celtic punk, and uh, then the bluegrass stuff. Although I wouldn't say I'm not, I don't necessarily sound like a traditional bluegrass fiddle player because even though I grew up listening to some of that, my dad is a bass player. So <laughs> I wasn't necessarily influenced directly by traditional bluegrass fiddle playing until listening to it more critically later when I had the tools from having more of a music background to sort of analyze that music. So I'm kind of like adding the bluegrass flair in later. Nice, nice. How about like, I mean, obviously music taking up a lot of your like, I'm sure creative energy. Do you have any other like creative outlets besides music or is that kind of where all of it goes? It's certainly a lot of it because besides being a performer, uh, even before I was performing as often as I am now, I have an ethnomusicology degree. So I'm always, you know, interested in going out and seeing other people perform also in all the genres of music and listening to new stuff online. So there's definitely a lot of my life revolves around 
music, whether it's me learning and playing songs or going out to see other people. But aside from that, I also like to do DIY craft kind of things. I hand make soap and candles and, you know, sometimes I try to pick up DIY things around the house, just like learning about home improvement things. So that's, I do that when I have time. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, we're at the uh, beginning of 2024 here. I mean, anything kind of coming up that uh, we should let people know about? Yes. In fact, currently working on an album, which will be released at least online March 1st. We're not sure if we're going to do a physical release on that date, but we have a million shows in March because St. Patrick's Day season. It's okay. me, me and a Buffalo-based guitarist, songwriter. He's also a historian who does a lot of work um, with Buffalo music history. His name is Tyler Bagwell. We are doing a duo guitar, fiddle, vocals um, album that's pretty much all Irish Celtic songs or uh, and tunes, fiddle tune on there as well. And some of them are related to Buffalo music history. Ooh. So they're kind of like Buffalo Irish things. And some of them are traditional or things that I just like and have learned over time. And then there's some of his original music too. Oh, nice. So but... that, will, that will be out March 1st. And then I had to write these down because otherwise I'll forget. Um, <laughs> Saturday, March 9th, we are going to be involved in a tribute to Shane McGowan in the Pogues Ooh. at Sportsman's Tavern in Buffalo. And the first one ever was last year. So I think it's going to return every year. This year it's March 9th. And Tyler and I are on it. We're going to be opening. McCarthyism is also on it. I play with them too. And um, Captain Tom the Hooligans and Yellow Jack. So it'll be a full night of a tribute to Shane McGowan and the Pogues. Very excited about that. And then Tyler and I are also playing just like, you know, as many shows as possible in the month of March. But St. Patrick's Day, we are playing Wayland Brewing, which is in Orchard Park from 12 to 2, and Hamburg Brewing from 4 to 7. So we've got a double show. And other than that, the following week, March 21st, is the Spring Equinox. And I am doing a concert with a Buffalo-based harpist named Katie Berquist. And this is at Revolution Gallery, which is on Hurdle Lab. It's a very eclectic, very neat gallery. The owner is the artist. And um, they put on events there all of the time. But they had first approached me about doing a winter solstice event. And they wanted dark holiday music, which I was very into because... I love all of that. So now they're going to do one for each, you know, both uh, both of the solstices, both of the equinoxes. So I'm putting together some kind of like dark spring material with a harp player. And that is March 21st. Oh, nice. And probably all this is online. I have a website. It's sallyandra, S-A-L-L-Y-A-N-N-D-R-A.com. That has all the events listed. And, you know, if you need tickets or whatever, if they're some of them are free. So that's most of it. The last thing is that in April, every Tuesday in April, I have a residency at Hot Mama's Canteen in Buffalo, and I'm featuring a different guest artist every week. So I have my friend Christina Stock, uh, Jen Carlos, who's a keyboard player, Spud, who is a great Buffalo-based songwriter, 
and Chelsea O'Donnell of Stressed Out will, will also be joining me. So there will be a different person each week. And those are the big ones coming up. Very nice. And that's all basically just in the month of March? Yeah, mostly March and then April. That's a busy, and that's very busy. That's a there's, very there's more. <laughs> there's more. I whittled it down. Those are Those are like the big ones. Well, yeah. Go, I mean, go online, follow you, find where you are playing because you are definitely playing all around. Mm -hmm. and even and even that Buffalo is a nice short drive. You also just mentioned tons of venues that I've been meaning to go to and haven't gotten up to yet. Buffalo has, I mean, even talking about the local music scene up there, it seems like it's pretty strong. It mm -hmm. seems like you don't have a lack of venues or people to play with, no matter what genre either. So definitely true. There is a Great, rich, diverse music scene here, and you can always find something. In fact, um, Original Music 716, I think, is the name of the Facebook page. The person that maintains that is a saint because they every single day they post like as many music events as they can find. And so if you're like, what should I do tonight? You can go on there, and it will have a list of everyone playing in the Buffalo, Western New York area. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I, well. I use it frequently when I have a night off and I want to go do something. <laughs> Very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, as we close this out, I mean, is there anything else we've uh, missed or anything else we should let the people know? I don't think so. I think that was pretty thorough. Thanks a lot. You, you asked some great questions, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Great to have you uh, back on. I can't believe the Arts on Fire Live would have been like end of 2022. It's been a while, so happy yeah. to Happy to have you back on. We'll play. Uh, we'll play some music now for from you here in a second. We have a variety of things to choose from. But I'm Anthony Merchant. I'll be back in just a second with you. You're tuning into Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA.